0: On today's show, the Houston Rockets play an extremely hard-fought game against the Phoenix Suns, falling just a little bit short after Devin Booker and Chris Paul took things over in the fourth quarter. KPJ looked fantastic in this game, although he looked like he kind of re-aggravated that thigh injury, and then... Usman Garuba coming off the Rockets bench. Just 12 minutes played, but had such a huge impact in this game. The downside, Jalen Green continues to misfire from the floor, shooting just 26% over his last three games combined. We're going to break it all down for you, coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr., T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. you getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on that shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up, boys and girls, ghouls and goblins? Happy Halloween and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where you can help the show out a... A ton by commenting on the YouTube page. Just go comment anything on the page. Remember, for the house, for the team, forty algorithm. Go comment on the YouTube show. Now today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online. It's where the game starts. We're going to talk about the Rockets Suns game in today's episode. Kevin Porter Jr. with a fantastic looking game, although he kind of. Reaggravated that that thigh injury of his. Thigh injury? Why is my voice cracking? God, it's like I'm going through puberty all over again. Kevin Porter Jr. re-aggravating that thigh inju- injury, um, but he had a really, really strong-looking game. Usman Garuba made his presence. His impact felt off the bench. Just 12 minutes run, but a huge impact on this game for the Rockets. And then Jalen Green continues to struggle, completely misfiring from the floor in this one, now down to just 26% shooting over the last handful of games. We're going to talk about all of that as well, some other, you know, loose ends, tidbits from this game. We may even take a look back at uh, a couple of the silver lining storylines from the Albatross that was the Rockets-Blazers game Friday night. Uh, unfortunately, had some stuff pop up over the weekend. It wasn't able to get uh, and a sixth show out, an extra podcast out to talk about that game. I don't usually like having to sandwich two game recap pods in in one episode. It, it feels it feels crowded and clunky, so uh, I didn't get a chance to do that one, though. However, that game was kind of a train wreck, so maybe it isn't the worst thing in the world that I didn't have an entire podcast to talk about Rockets Blazers. Uh, this Rocket Suns game, though, I mean... This was a game where the Rocket it was kind of like an ugly game from both teams. Like you look across the board and the Rockets shot just forty-three point seven percent from the floor, thirty-two point four percent from three. They managed to shoot eighty-four and a half percent from the free throw line. So you like those numbers. But then on the Phoenix Suns side of things, they were significantly better from the actual floor. 53.6% shooting as a team. Just 30% from three, though. The Suns, you know, had kind of a bad shooting night as well. Uh, At the free throw line, the Suns were 73.3%. They did match the Rockets. Uh, Both teams had 22 made free throws. The Suns just had more free throw attempts overall. When you look at the, the, the flow of this game, it never really felt like the Suns were that far ahead of the Rockets right like they they took an 11 point lead at halftime and it was kind of like all right maybe the Suns are getting ready to you know break things open in the third quarter and then the Rockets responded in a really big way in the top of the third quarter fighting their way back into this game really you know showing a lot of I guess heart right because you could have you know hung your head oh it's the Phoenix Suns they're gonna beat us anyways whatever they didn't do that Top of the third quarter, they had some hustle plays. Jay Sean Tate bullied Chris Paul and stole an inbounds pass and like, you know, spotted up in the corner for three Uh, just throughout the game. I mean, KPJ was was driving relentlessly in this game, getting to the free throw line at a really, really high rate, matched his career high in free throw attempts this game with 14 attempts. He was 11 of 14 at the line. And he is actually going to be your Locked on Rockets player of the game from this one because KPJ had a really fantastic game. 26 points, 7 of 17 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3. The the misses from the floor, right, are a little, you know, you'd like to see him convert at a bit of a higher clip. The efficiency is not quite where you want it. But the free throw shooting is really encouraging. The fact that he got to the line 14 times and drilled 11 of them is huge because he's actually starting to get like whether or not it's deserved, he's getting the like more respect from the officiating crews, right? Where he's getting more respect on drives. He's getting more respect on three point shoot on three point shots where defenders are closing out on him and like entering his landing space or hitting him on the arm. And even during the game, I actually, I, I threw this up in, in rockets watch and a lot of people kind of agreed. I I wonder, right? If left-handed players are inherently better at drawing fouls, from especially from three point land than traditional like then then right hand dominant players because right when you think about it when you're closing out on a guy if he's left-handed you're closing out on the side of him where his like his body is there right normally if you're a right-handed guy closing out on a right-handed shooter you're closing out with your right arm and it's the space that you're closing out in is empty But with a left-handed guy, that space is occupied. And so suddenly you're closing out. So it made me think like back to all the fouls that we've seen James Harden draw over the years, all the fouls that we're starting to see Kevin Porter Jr. start to draw as a lefty. And I do wonder if there's like some inherent advantage that lefties have when it comes to drawing fouls because other defenders are so accustomed to shading their body a certain way or closing out a certain way, you know, footwork, positioning, all of that stuff. And it's just... The complete opposite, it's flipped when you have a lefty that you're defending. So that was something that I thought of in the game that, that probably holds some water. I need to actually like look and see if there's been like research done about this or if people have investigated this before. But KPJ, you know, continuing down his stat line, had the great free throw shooting night, had eight boards, had six assists, had a steal. And here's the big part, right? Just one turnover for KPJ. And it really did feel like in this game, the Rockets kind of came out of the gate and they made it a point to move the ball right after the catastrophe that was the the, the trailblazers game, which I'll, I'll admit they did a better job in that game as well about trying to move things around offensively. But they came out with purpose. They were swinging the ball side to side. They were getting downhill. They were generating Quite a few solid looks in this game. Like Jabari had some good looks. Jalen had some good looks. Tate had good looks. Shingun had some good looks. Like most of everybody in this game got good overall looks. It was just unfortunate because it felt like every single time the Rockets were like right on the precipice of like tying the game or maybe even taking the lead against the Suns. They, would you know, somebody would miss a shot, wide open three, you know, smoke a layup at the rim, something like that. And then Suns would come back down and bam, timely three, you know, get a little bit more separation, that kind of thing. And then the Rockets had zero answer for two players on the Suns this game. And that is uh, Devin Booker, who got everything he absolutely wanted inside the three-point line. And then off the bench, Jock Landale, who just completely torched the Rockets basically playing like prime freaking Wilt Chamberlain in this game. Rockets had zero answer for Landale, you know, in the minutes that he played in this game. Had 16.7 boards off the bench. The Rockets were getting bullied inside relentlessly throughout the course of this one. So there were some... You know, there were some downsides to this game. There were some bright spots. I do want to talk about Usman Garuba and his impactful play in this game. He was your runner-up for Lockdown Rockets player of the game, even though they only had just 12 minutes in this game. I also want to talk about Jalen Green and some of the concerns with his shot just not falling. You know, is it a shooting slump? Is it about shot selection? All of that. We're going to talk about that after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of a brand new basketball season. Find out the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every single game that you can get your hands on. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. Right now, you can go take a look at BetOnline to see who the odds-on favorites are for this year's NBA title. The Milwaukee Bucks leading the way at plus 550. Boston Celtics right behind them at plus 575. Golden State Warriors in third place at plus 700. And then rounding out the top five, the LA Clippers at plus 750. And a distant fifth, the Phoenix Suns at plus 1,000. So for all of those odds and more, be sure to check out Bet Online to learn more about the trends in action available to you. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's talk a little... Us Almighty, Us Lee, Us on the loose, Usman Garuba, who continues to, in the minutes that he is afforded, however, they are very few and far between at times, but in the minutes that Garuba gets, he goes out there and he works, and he makes things happen on the floor. I, to this point, I I need to see Garuba receive a steady diet of like 10 to 15 minutes a night. There's no reason at this point that he shouldn't automatically get 10 to 15 a night, right? Especially in the absence of Bruno Fernando. Like I can maybe understand when Bruno's back and you've got Bruno and Al P holding down the fort at the five and maybe even some minutes with Jabari, like where you run him at the five. I don't know. You know, maybe then it's like, all right, it's a little crowded. There might be some nights where he doesn't get a chance, but especially when you're missing Bruno and you're only... Legitimately two centers deep on the roster. And you're getting abused by a guy named Jock Landale off the Suns bench, their third-string center, right? Because the Suns were missing DeAndre Ayton. Bismack Biyombo started. Jock Landale's their third-string center. And he dropped 16-7 and seven on their heads. So Garuba in this game, he finished just 12 minutes. He had three points. He drilled a three-pointer. Uh, he had seven boards, one assist, one steal, in 12 minutes of run, and it doesn't, like, the stat line doesn't, like, scream amazing play, but watching him when he's out there, he fights and hustles on every single possession, and there were, there were actually seven points, seven of the Rockets' 109 points were generated directly off of offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities by Usman Garuba, he had one, two, and and you know one of one of them was a you know a kick out to Garrison Matthews that that generated a foul and then you know became a four point play. But those seven points don't happen without Usman Garuba, without his hustle, without his effort on the glass. And in a game where you know. throughout moments, right, the Rockets looked like they didn't have the energy. They looked like they were being a little bit more, you know, a little bit lethargic at times. You have Jock Landale, a third-string center, who's like, yeah, this is my night to, like, showcase what I can do and prove myself. So he's, like, you know, he's juiced. He's amped up. He wants to go out there and show the Suns that he's more than just a third-string center. And that he could maybe even get some minutes when DeAndre Ayton is even back. So he's out there. He's on 10, right, trying to play to hit the best of his ability. And the Rockets are getting worked. Like, the Rockets were getting worked on the interior. They were getting worked on the glass. The Rockets actually managed to finish the game. Overall, a better rebounding game for the Rockets than the Suns. Rockets were plus 13 in the rebounding department. 49 to 36. But when Jacques Landale was out there, it felt like the Suns were crashing tons of the offensive glass. It felt like they were getting extra opportunities. And it also just felt like they didn't have an answer just in general in the pick and roll. Like Jock Lando would roll and CP3 would find him or Booker would find him or somebody would find him campaign would find him or, you know, he'd set a hard screen and then ball handler all the way to the rim. Uh, the Rockets defense in this one was. Pff, it I feel like calling a barbecue chicken is like an insult to barbecue chicken. Because, again, the Suns had like a rough shooting game. You know, their Suns take a lot of threes. And so that was kind of the saving grace for the Rockets is, you know, the Suns were taking their usual volume of threes and they were missing a hearty amount of them, which is what kept the Rockets kind of in this game overall is the Rockets wound up shooting a little bit better from three percentage wise. And they had the free throw shooting. You know, they, they were pretty much kind of right in this game, especially after that big third quarter. But then the Suns just, you know, again, completely blew things open there. In the fourth and final period defensively they the the Rockets they help too often off the corners. That's like the bit that's like their biggest cardinal sin defensively is the Rockets help off the off the corners and they give up corner threes. I feel like more than any team that we've watched this season through th- this handful of games for the Rockets. I feel like no other team gives up corner threes at the rate that the Rockets do. um they also like ignore, you know, defensive principles, like don't help off the strong side corner. So like the ball will be on the left side of the court and they'll have like somebody guarding the left the left corner and then the drive will happen and you'll see like somebody dig in from the left corner and like that's like a big, a big NBA. No, no, you don't help off the strong side corner. So there are some like just defensive principles that aren't being followed. And again, maybe you chalk that up to youth on the Rockets roster. Maybe you chalk that up to uh, lack of execution. It feels like the Rockets have, especially when they've got like, you know, Shingoon or Bruno out there at the five and then you've got Jabari at the four. I don't understand why we don't see like a mix of coverages defensively, right? Where some, you know, it feels like they they're basically they basically have to play drop coverage with Shingoon and to, you know, and, and pretty much Bruno as well. But then like one through four, like they should be switching everything. They should, I mean, one through four, you've got size in your guards in KPJ and Jalen Green. Whoever's running your wing, whether it's, undersized EG, who's still a good defender and can defend up for his size. Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin, doesn't matter who you've got at the three spot. Whoever that is can also effectively switch. And then Jabari can effectively switch. So I would love to see kind of like a base defense for the Rockets, where if Shingoon or Bruno is involved in the action, they drop the big, right? Like that's just the, the base level defense. And then whoever's fighting around the screen has to like fight over the top of the screen to, to not give up the three pointer, yada, yada, yada. But then, if it's anybody else involved in the action, switch and switch with purpose. Like, that's the big part, right? Is when you're switching on defense, you can't just, like, oh, okay, you take him. Like, all right, screen, okay, I got him, cool. Like, that's that's not how you play... NBA quality defense. You have to switch and you have to get in a guy's chest, right? You switch and you jump out off the screen, right? You make him uncomfortable. You make him pick up his dribble, right? Don't let him pull up for an easy three. Don't let him get ahead of steam and get going downhill at the rim. Like all these little things and that's just it. they're, They're little things but over the course of an entire 48 minute game, they add up, right? So the Rockets can have a good couple defensive possessions or even a good stretch of defense, right? Where they get multiple stops in a row and you're like, yeah, they're back in this game. But then boom, they fall back into old habits, bad, you know, bad decision making on offense, whatever turnovers. And then you're like, you're just scratching your head because you're like, man, this team is like, it feels like they're on the precipice, right? Because they played an, they played a bad game. They played a bad game against the Suns. The Suns also played a bad game. But if the Rockets had cleaned some of the things up, right? Maybe clean up the turnovers, clean up the you know the the missed shots. So because the the shots that they were generating, by and large, were pretty solid. You clean up a few of these things, you're like, man, they could have been beating the Suns, right? They could have been whooping the Suns if you just clean up a few of these things. So it's like maybe there's some overreaction as to where they're at right now. One in five start, especially over these last handful of games, but. It does feel like they're they're kind of knocking on the door of like figuring something out, despite what feels like a lack of structure, a lack of identity, just because they're talented. Right. They, they can they muddle through some of these games and it's like, man, they're like right there. And if they just clean up some of the mistakes, they'd be they'd be in it or they'd even be up in some of these in some of these contests. Coming up, do want to talk about Jalen Green, his continued struggles from the floor. We'll also tie up other loose ends from this Rocket Suns game, some other moments that stood out from this game. Gary Bird going to bat for KPJ at the top of the fourth quarter, and then the Rockets getting absolutely screwed by the officiating crew. Uh, And maybe some highlights from whatever, you know, the the minor positives possibly from the Trailblazers game. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, as always, we appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as I was kind of getting ready for this final segment here. Uh, there were a couple things that stood out that, that I realized that I want to talk about one. I'm upset that Chris Paul had 15 assists and no turnovers. (laughs) Like I didn't realize he had that many assists just carving up the Rockets, man in 31 minutes, 15 assists. And on top of that, just to put in perspective, the Rockets had 18 assists as a team. Chris Paul had 15 assists by himself. (laughs) Point god on a full display in this game. Uh also Chris Paul should have been charged a turnover for the for the inbounds play where Jay Sean Tate like muscled him and took the ball. Cause I don't think that turnover should have been credited to the inbounder, but I guess it was. So I'm a little salty that Chris Paul had a perfect game against the, against the Rockets. Uh Looking elsewhere at the fourth quarter kind of meltdown for the Rockets, I wanted to talk about that and wanted to kind of cause that kind of goes hand in hand uh with Jalen Green and his and his struggles. Um so first off, well, we'll talk about Jalen Green. Let me start with the, the fourth quarter meltdown. Uh the Rockets missed every single shot in the fourth quarter that they attempted that was not right at the rim or at the free throw line. Uh I'm looking at like the little scatter plot. And they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven missed threes. They had two shots inside the paint, one from LP, one from KPJ, that were just outside of the restricted area. Missed both of those, and then they made the handful of shots uh, in and around the rim that they attempted. Uh, but that was that was basically the story of the fourth quarter. The Rockets could not hit anything. Right? They were they were right in it at the top of the fourth quarter. I mentioned. Garrison Matthews sticking up for KPJ top of the fourth quarter. This was a game that got chippy at points, right? They, they you know, kind of got chippy a little bit early on, like in the second quarter, and yeah, you, you know, Tari Eason kind of drop an elbow, I think, into like it was Campaign or Tory Craig or somebody, and uh, or drop a shoulder into one of those guys, and there was some, you know, some jawing going back and forth, and then at the top of the fourth quarter, Tori Craig was getting ready to defend in you know a sideline out of bounds play got tangled up with KPJ, shoved KPJ's arm off of him. Garrison Matthews is like right there in, you know, in the mix of it all and Garrison Matthews immediately took exception to it. Got in like Tory Craig's face or sorry, not Tory Craig, I apologize. Damian Lee was was who it happened with in that in that instance. Got in Damian Lee's face and then like the two were going back and forth and KPJ was like what is even going on? Like, you know, and so And the referees went and reviewed it all. And normally the way this works, right, is like KPJ was minding his business. Damian Lee instigated. Garrison Matthews responded. That's a tech for Damian Lee and a tech for Garrison Matthews. Continue play, right? That's it. The issue was this was an away-from-the-play foul on the inbound. So KPJ whistled for the the away-from-the-play foul, I believe, It awarded the Suns one free throw and the ball for the away from the play foul. And then the kicker on top of that is the referees decided to award the Rockets a technical to KPJ and a technical to Garrison Matthews. Damian Lee got off scot-free, which was absurd. Like, how are you the one that initiated that and then you got off with nothing? Like, that's like me walking up to you and shoving you and then walking away. Like, what, what is that? That's ridiculous. So... That swung, you know, three points in the favor of the Suns on that singular possession, Uh, you know, put the Suns up, you know, a little bit of breathing room, right? 93-88, top of the fourth quarter. Rockets came down. KPJ made a bucket. Suns started, you know, they, they come back down. Campaign makes a bucket. And again, it was just, it was right there for the taking for the Rockets at the top of the fourth quarter. They just could not get any of their shots to fall in that final frame. Big part of that, well, actually, small part of it, in the grand scheme of things, but a big part of it across the entirety of the game, Jalen Green, 15 points, five of 18 shooting, just two of seven from three-point land, three of four at the free throw line, one rebound, two assists, one steal, one turnover. Really rough stat line for Jalen Green. He is now down to 26% three or 26% shooting overall. Sorry, not 26% from three. 26% shooting overall. Over his last three games. He is in a major funk. A major shooting slump. And I need him to break out of it expeditiously. Because this is not great to watch. And on top of that. His involvement down the stretch of games. Has been completely amiss. Like he, was, he wasn't he was involved down the stretch of the Jazz game. In this game. You only had two shots down the stretch of this game. Two shots in the fourth quarter. For your supposed franchise guy. Right? And. Part of that stems from, like, he's having a bad game, all right, so maybe he's not forcing it. But at the same time, a player like Jalen can break out of that slump at any moment, right? Like, he can get hot in an isolated quarter and win you a game, right? He can get hot and drop 10, 15 in a hurry, but he can only do that if he's afforded those opportunities. So I'm on the fence about it, right? Like, he was struggling this game. KPJ was having a solid game. You know, basically, everybody on the Rockets roster actually had a, a relatively good game Outside of Jalen and Jabari. And even Jabari, like Jabari had more of a more so a quiet game than a bad game, uh, and, and wasn't really a focal point throughout stretches of the game. So Jalen had a bad game, Jabari had a quiet, you know, indifferent style game. And then everybody else on the roster actually had a pretty strong performance, give or take. Right? I'm making sure I'm not missing anybody. Yeah, I mean you pretty much like and expect what you got out of everybody else on the roster. Uh, minus some of the ugly turnovers here and there from guys like you know Dacian Nix, Josh Christopher off the bench, you could live without those, obviously. But um, for Jalen, though, you know he needs to break out of the shooting slump, right? And, and I think part of it is he's starting to second guess himself, which is you know uncharacteristic, right, for a guy that drips and oozes as much comp- confidence as as Jalen does. He's starting to second guess himself on the floor, right, where he'll he'll drive in and he'll try to finish at the rim and he gets you know gets swatted or receives contact, no whistle. And a big part of that is because he drives to the rim and he tries this, like, finesse stuff, right? Where he'll, like, drive to the left side of the rim and he'll go up with, like, his right hand. And he'll try these, like, twisty, like, reverse layups on the opposite side of the basket. And he'll he'll smoke them when he gets to the rim. Sometimes he makes them. A lot of times he's been smoking them, though. And other times he'll drive, right, blocked right at the rim. Because he's not seeking out the contact. And here's the worst part is when Jalen does seek out the contact, he gets absolutely no respect from officials on his drives. Like, it felt like this year might be different, like, you know, going through preseason, some of the early season games where it's like, oh, hey, like, Jalen's actually getting whistles when he drives to the rim. That's nice. That'll really help him out, especially when his shot's not falling because then he can just tuck his head down, drive to the rim hard, maybe get an and one, but at least get to the free throw line, see the ball go through the hoop a couple times, right? That helps out anybody who's struggling to, to shoot the ball. But Jalen can't even get that. Like, he drove to the rim a couple times in this game and, like, you know, landed, you know, bodied, whatever, and just doesn't get the respect from the officiating crew. And it's it's painful to see because you got to know, like, as a player, right, that messes with you mentally. Like, you're not going to go in there seeking contact every single drive if you know you're not going to get the whistle. You're going to start trying to get creative and try to finish the shot without actually seeking out the contact, which isn't the right way to go about it because then you you deal with missing easy layups and... It's just tough. It's tough right now to watch Jalen kind of going through this stretch. He's gonna break out of it. It's just a it's just a shooting slump. But when you've got your number two overall pick and your number three overall pick not looking great, uh, it, you know, across a series of games in conjunction with one another, and and their slumps are kind of coinciding, you're just like, man, this is this is tough to watch because you're like, you want to be able to root for the number two and number three overall picks. You want to be able to see them have fantastic outings. Jalen's whole thing though is he'll break out of his shooting slump but he needs to get better with his decision-making. Like, there are times when he'll decide to elevate and he's got a defender right on his hip or contesting his jumper in the mid-range. There's times when he ignores when, like, the defender's nowhere near him and he's got a wide-open midi and he elects to drive all the way into the rim. And it's like, no, like, elevate when you don't have the defender near you. Drive in when the defender's on your hip. Like, you know, so some of the offensive decision-making has been all over the place for Jalen, especially over these last handful of games, you know, coinciding with his shooting slump. But he'll break out of the slump sooner rather than later. That I'm not super worried about. And I do think it would be beneficial for the Rockets to stop whatever this mess is without st- the the non-staggering of KPJ and Jalen Green. Because the Rockets had a lineup out there at one point that was what? It was Dacian Nix, Garrison Matthews, Tari Eason... Aruba and KJ, I think. Like, I just basically they had a they had a lineup out there. I I don't think Christopher was out there. It was early in the game, and Dacian was the only ball handler. And it's like, what are we doing here? Because the offense looked so bad in those minutes where Dacian was the only guy out there. Because then your only direct offensive weapons were Dacian handling the rock, and he's very you know he's been very passive with the ball. And then Garrison Matthews curling off screens, and that's it. Like nobody else can like create with the ball. Like, it's just, like, you know, maybe an ugly drive-in from, like, Tari or KJ, like, with a defender, like, in their face. They're not gonna, like, boom, boom, break a defender down and actually get to the rim. They're just gonna, like, throw their shoulder down and try to truck the ball in, and it's not gonna look pretty. Sometimes it'll work, but it's not pretty offense. So, I need desperately to be done with that. Also, as as an aside, I need to desperately be done with Tate post-ups. I could live without those forever. Um, Love Tate. He brings... So much to the table for this Rockets team, but the post ups need to be 86 out of the Rockets' offense because they just they don't work out a lot of the time. So, offensively, if Jalen has some minutes, right, you know, over the course of a game where he's out there by himself and he can just kind of get himself going because KPJ is not out there, I think that would really do him some good. Last guy here that I want to talk about before wrapping things up is Jabari Smith Jr. Because look, first off, I am still very firmly of the opinion that Jabari is going to be a fantastic player you know, further down the line of his career. And he's already had flashes of being fantastic. Uh, He had a, he had a sick block this game. He, he had some moments in this game where he, you know, tucked his head down and drove and drove hard, but there are a lot of concerns about his play so far, right? He definitely looks like a rookie. He looks, you know, like the speed of the game is, is, you know, that he's not, not catching up to it quite as quickly as you would have liked to see, right? Moment, you know, a lot of indecision on the floor, when to shoot, when to not shoot, when to drive when to attack um defensively he's he's had flashes where he looks really good right you get him on a switch put him out on the perimeter he's like he held he he held Chris Paul at the end it was either the end of the half or end of the quarter or whatever and and forced Chris Paul into a really tough like it was all, it was going to be Chris Paul's like patented like all right I'm a you know back you down I've got the switch and I'm going to elevate from the mid range and Jabari stuck with him through all of Chris's little hezzies and fakes and shoulder dips and all of that and didn't go anywhere and forced Chris to, like, abandon his shot because Chris was going to elevate like he was going to shoot. And Chris had to dish it out to the wing at the very last second. But, you know, Jabari's had some flashes where he's looked fantastic defensively, where he's been able to hold his own, especially on switches because he can he can guard smaller, faster players. But on the interior, right... He looks like he's, you know, a 215-pound a 19-year-old, right? He he gets bodied on the interior at times from bigger players. And then he also has a bad tendency to not actually box out. Um, like, he watches the shot go up a lot and doesn't throw a body on somebody. And that's a little concerning. Uh, it's not something that is, like, it, look, Jabari's got this workhorse mentality. He's going to iron out whatever deficiencies are in his game. I'm not worried about that. It's just that there are a lot of deficiencies in his game right now. Uh, the ability to put the ball on the floor and do something with it that isn't just like kind of a an ugly drive to the rim, it's it's tough. I I love the confidence to put the ball on the floor and to try and make something happen, but that's not his, his strong suit right now, right? I don't need to see Jabari try to put the ball on the floor and like drive and finish through contact and like finish at the rim. I don't need to see that out of him, right? Like let him flourish and be good at the things that he's good at first and then start adding to his bag over time. Uh, So, you know, and it just feels like the Rockets, you know, by and large, offensively, aren't doing a good enough job of putting Jabari and even to a lesser extent, Jalen Green, because Jalen can like orchestrate his own offense, get his own shot, whatever. But putting those guys in positions where they can be successful and get to the spots on the floor that they want to get to and have some easy looks. But Jabari's also missing some really wide open, easy looks, right? Like he's, he's two of six from three in this game. He had some very wide open, easy shots that he just smoked. And so that's going to be like, you know, a concern until he can get that, that three point percentage up to an area where we're like, all right, this is the Jabari that we wanted to see, right? Shooting 40% give or take from three. He's been hovering around. I don't know what it is after this game. I should have looked it up, but you know, he was hovering around league average, you know, 35 and a half, 36%, which like, again, that's, that's, good, that's league average, but for Jabari, that's bad, because we're, like, we're expecting, you know, a lot more, we're expecting three or four percentage points higher from three, but he had that, he's, you know, he has, he's had opportunities at the rim that he hasn't been able to convert, um, he had one where, like, KP, KPJ drove it in, shovel pass off to Jabari, and Jabari just, you know, tries to go up with it, and he, he gets the ball stripped, right, because he doesn't, he doesn't have those, like, those strong hands to, like, just rip through an arm, and, like, finish strong at the rim, so, there are some concerns with Jabari. Um, he is not a bust. Do not take it that way. Still very much Jabari jungle, whatever you want to label it. Like, I'm, you know, I, I still very much believe in him, but these are just, this is just the reality of the situation. Like he's, there are some things that need to be ironed out and worked on in his game and the Rockets are going to work on those things. So with that, that's all I got. I'm not going to, I'm not going to revisit the, the Trailblazers game. That was kind of a dumpster fire game. And I, the, the positive storylines were kind of few and far between in that one. So I will just leave that one be Uh Dacian. Knicks did go three of four in that game against the trailblazers. So like that was one of the positives from that game. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey app, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. What was your favorite part? What was your takeaway from this Rockets-Suns game? What would you have liked to see be done differently lineup-wise in this game? I talked about the lineups there for a little bit. Let me know in the YouTube comments. Do read each and every one of those every single day. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.